0: Revelator Podcast Network listeners, we're calling on you. We could use your help. We're courting our very first sponsor for the network. We're working with Manscaped over on Kyle's Valheim Bulletin. If you haven't subscribed to that show, make sure you do. It's a wonderful video game. I I could talk about it forever. What I'm here to tell you about is that you can get 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code KVB, like Kyle's Valheim Bulletin, right? So KVB, do that. Get yourself one of their new products. They just sent me the Lawn Mower 4.0 that just came out here in May. And it's really, really nice. So check it out. If you got a guy in your life that you want to buy these for or anyone that you want to send these to, they got a whole range of products up there going on now. Use code KVB. You're literally helping the network and this show grow by doing that. Get 20% off, free shipping. KVB, like Kyle's Valheim Bulletin. Thank you so much hello everybody welcome to a new episode of the chaos and shadow podcast my name is kyle and i'm joined here this week by my co-host pegan pegan how you doing
1: I am doing wonderful. How are you doing?
0: Very well because today we are joined by Matt Oren who is a, ri- a witch, a professional psychic, a cult teacher. He's the author of the international best-selling book Psychic Witch: A Metaphysical Guide to Meditation, Magic and Manifestation. He runs the blog for Puck's Sake on the Pathos Pagan and as a content creator for Modern Witch. Matt, welcome to the show. We are very happy to have you with us this week. Thank you. I'm happy to be on. We have been having an absolute blast chatting with so much of the Modern Witch crew. Um, we we chatted with, with Laura Tempest-Zakaroff last year who got us in to the Witch's Savit. And from there, chatting with Devin and Storm, uh, Storm Fairy Wolf, Devin Hunter, for those out there, if you haven't caught those interviews, absolutely go for it. We've just been having a wonderful time, and Pagan loved your book, so we needed Mm -hmm. to get you in here for a chat. Oh, well, thanks for having me. So do you want to tell us a little bit, Matt, for those who are unfamiliar, a little bit of your background in what got you into the stage you are now? We know it's a, a very general question, but something brings us all together here. And, and again, for us, for you, it was the book psychic, Witch. could you talk a little bit about maybe just recent history, what you've been up to, especially now that the pandemic has changed our lives in different ways. Okay.
2: Um, pandemic wise. I mean, I've been mostly just working. Um, there hasn't been a lot to do in the community in person. So I've been working on uh, two different book manuscripts and, um, Uh, Another project proposal I'm working on, Um, but I've mostly just been, you know, uh, working on books and uh, doing like Zoom uh, classes, I guess, festivals, stuff of that nature.
1: Your book, Psychic
2: which obviously was absolutely amazing.
1: Uh, my my copy is full of post-it notes and there's notes in the margins. <laughs> I usually don't do that with any of my books, but your book was so great that I'm like, I have to write down thoughts about this. This is so amazing. Uh-huh. So for those who may be unfamiliar, which I'm sure there's not many in the occult community because it's just it's an international bestseller. It's wonderful in so many ways. Could you tell them a little bit about your book? Okay.
2: Um, So this book was kind of birthed out of um, feeling like there was a lack in occult uh, literature on the energetic aspects of witchcraft, uh, particularly, you know, the foundational aspects. So in almost all of my formal training, Uh, energy and psychic ability are focused on first before you start stepping into uh, the bells and whistles, you know, the outer magic. Um, And it was also birthed out of my frustration with books on psychic ability. Um, You know, there are a couple good ones out there, but for the most part, a lot of them are just mostly fluff. Uh, A lot of times it seems like the author is just trying to convince you that the author is psychic. And the how-to is very minimal, um, very vague. So I wanted to uh, take all of my training plus the things that uh, I have created and worked with and adapted and present it as something that would hopefully help uh, the occult community uh, sort of connect with uh, those psychic abilities, uh, the energy perception and the manipulation of it and then uh, use that either as a form of instant magic or as a form to empower and strengthen uh, traditional magical practice.
1: And you definitely executed that in your book. I I can't even tell you how much your book helped my practice with like the words are just too far out there to even grasp them. But I loved in your book that you... Uh, talked about the importance of revisiting and reaffirming the basics of witchcraft and the interesting thing is a lot of the other books out there don't really do that they're just like here's the basics have a nice day and don't say you need to revisit these so can you give our audience a little bit more about that and why they should consider doing that
2: yeah so the basics tend to be um You know, the kind of foundational practices of your craft in general. So, having that strong foundation is going to be crucial to your magic in the long run, the more advanced stuff. Um, And, like you said, you know, a a lot of um, books, but also practitioners sort of rush through the basics, almost like um, it's a checklist of things to just kind of check off and do and move forward. But, you know, these are things that are foundational. This is, Uh, these are the things that your whole magical practice are going to be uh, held up upon. So, you know, for me, revisiting the basics are extremely important. Um, I think that there is profound power in the basics that a lot of people miss because uh, they're kind of rushing through it and not really diving deep into those practices.
1: Yes, that's definitely very true that... I've noticed quite a bit when it comes to any form of the basics, you know, like you said, that a lot of people do kind of rush through them and it's very much like, yes, it's a checklist. And even in my own practice, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, reading your book, I was like, huh. I probably should do more of this and I'm just not. And it's just kind of one of those things and so many books just ingrain it. And it's like, okay, yeah, you don't need to do this. You've already done it. Congratulations. You can move on to the more fancy stuff now. So thank you so much for putting that in your book and reminding me personally and lots of other witches that that's a really important part of our craft.
2: Yeah, I often liken it to martial arts, right? So you have to be able to, um, you know, a roundhouse kick to get a certain color belt, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But just because you passed it doesn't mean that you stop doing that in general. Um, You know, as you advance, you still need to maintain those practices, you need to keep those muscles strengthened. And um, those kind of what I would refer to as more like energetic muscle reflexes, active and going. um, Because you know, if we lose sight of the basics, you know, some of uh, the more advanced stuff is just going to fall flat when it comes to results.
1: Yes, that's very true. And that's definitely a theme that I saw quite a bit in your book of keeping the muscle strong and making sure that you're always working those psychic muscles. So also in the witchcrafting occult communities, we're seeing a lot of drama (laughs) in the ways of there's a lot of misinformation that's being spread a lot of gatekeeping Mm -hmm. so what are your thoughts on this and also what can those what can you say to those who are new to witchcraft and the occult that to really make sure that the information they're receiving is valid that it's not misinformation it's not the drama that everybody gets
2: caught up in right so um it's interesting um you know, having an interest in witchcraft almost my whole life, watching how things change and how technology changes and things of that nature. Um, in the last recent years, as witchcraft has kind of uh, revisited a boom in popularity, we now have all these social platforms that used to not exist, you know. Um, we have TikTok, we have YouTube, we have, you know, just various Platforms for people to have. And um, what we're seeing is a lot of people just sort of coming from seemingly nowhere and teaching information and presenting themselves as teachers. Um, Even when you see that, you know, their interest in witchcraft, you know, is maybe a year old or something. Um, And that's sort of weird to me. Um, The, the, information the books the authors the teachers that i grew up with and um you know they were all known in the community before they you know published a book or positioned themselves as teachers um you know even myself you know i didn't just you know decide to write a book um i have a background in various traditions you know, I have a history of, you know, teaching workshops for a lot of years, teaching students. Um, so it can be really hard um, in the sea of content creators now to tell, you know, who who has the background of stuff. And so this kind of ties into like a weird area of gatekeeping, right? So I, I don't necessarily believe that you need to, you know, be from XYZ tradition or do certain things before you can like teach or, or share, uh, your craft. But, um, you know, just, it's weird because, you know, um, witchcraft and spirituality tend to be one of those fields, um, where as opposed to religion or any other, um, profession, you know, a person is expected to have, uh, you know, training and, a certain, um, background in things, you know, um, you don't just, uh, you don't just become a doctor. You don't just become a lawyer because, Mm -hmm. you know, you decide to, you have to, you know, essentially study the things, you know, you have to, uh, put your boots on the ground, get the experience. Um, so it's sort of this weird, um, time that we're in where, you know, a lot of people are not only presenting a lot of misinformation, um, but they're also presenting misinformation about paths that they're not in um, traditions that they're not in, you know, and mostly this is, you know, talking against it. And um, it's really odd because a lot of times I'm like, you know, this person doesn't really know what they're talking about. You know, they're not mm-hmm. staying in their own lane. Um So I think a good way to sort of vet your resources is just to look into the person um, and look at, you know, what is their experience? How long have they been involved in the community? Um, You know, we're with the boom of witchcraft, particularly witchcraft books. There's also a lot of companies that have popped up that are essentially either ghostwriting things based on algorithms or creating pre-outlined books and then tapping people in the community to essentially paint by numbers for the book. Um, so it's, you know, while the person is still writing it, it's not necessarily, you know, their voice and their vision. And it's not a, um, so, so, you know, not that like Llewellyn and Weiser are the end all mm-hmm. be all of the cult books, but um, Llewellyn and Weiser have a history of giving back to our community of sponsoring events, of, you know, uh, running charities, supporting things. And a lot of these other companies that have popped up in the, uh, recent years that, you know, have pretty covers and, um, are just kind of generating stuff based on algorithms. It's just for profit purely. It's almost sort of like, um, vamping, um, (laughs) you know, our community Mm -hmm. instead of, uh, providing something to, to give back, um, You know, I'm a big proponent of looking at the bibliography of books. I'm a big fan of, you know, um, cross-referencing things. So if someone, um, for example, has a TikTok saying something, you know, looking that up. And that means Mm -hmm. also, you know, in the age of Google, also going to Google Books and seeing, you know, well, where is this mentioned in books and finding book resources on it.
1: Wow. That's definitely, a. I had not heard about the companies that were doing that. And that's yeah. kind of scary to think about.
2: That is. Yeah. I try, I try not to speak about it too much. Um, I, you know, I have had people go into rages when I've mentioned which publishers it is um, and have even said it has nothing to do with the authors, you know, that they're tapping to write these and the people, you know, go in get really, really upset. And the sad thing is, is that um, these companies are also taking advantage of their authors because they're giving them essentially a really small upfront fee, which can seem large if you aren't experienced in writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could be like $2,000 to $5,000, which, you know, um, when you're a writer and you're hungry, it looks really good. But they own the full rights to the book forever, like yeah. without royalties to the author. So they're making like hundreds of thousands of dollars off of the book. And, you know, just because they're using the author's name.
1: The publishing industry is definitely an interesting animal that we could probably go into for hours about but that's not this podcast so we're not going to go down that road
0: we've learned Uh, a a lot about it though thanks to to people sharing because i mean i i I definitely respect what you're saying not sharing the names it's very good for the mm -hmm. community to have some awareness of them so that's why i appreciate you saying it because I didn't know until now, until just this moment. Mm-hmm. I'm not very aware of the publishing world as a whole, though. As an outsider who's never dabbled, Pagan, I know you have. Uh, you've yes. written and done all that before, but yeah, Matt, thank you. Now I'm a little bit more aware to the landscape. <laughs> um, I also kind of had a thought on that too, because we we came up as as recent podcasters in the occult and paranormal community. We started our show last summer, so we're we're coming up on a year here and about. Uh, and we would had lifelong interest in the field and had listened mm. to all kinds of different things, but not in a, a formulated or um, that's not the right word, but not in like a collected format. Pagan and I's experience was uh, just very personal. And so coming on the scene recently, we got an experience of what that's like to come up as someone who is technically producing content, not the biggest fan of the term content creator, but uh, not even. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it gets super formulaic to kind of what you talked about a second ago. We we see a lot of people who are just, I guess, trying to rush to the top of it by creating really clicky topics. But like you said, there it's very much lacking information at times and, and lacking quality resources.
1: I was going to say, I, I'm definitely very interested in our next question because I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, especially after diving really deep into your book. And with the current state of our society and all that's going on in it, I'm very interested in what do you think may be happening to the psychic or well being of our society during this time?
2: Um, So, I actually think um, in the last couple months, it's been better, um, at least here in the United States, than it has been in like the last couple of years. Particularly last year, uh, the psychic health of just our country, if not the world at large, was palpable. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and a lot of that is not just the pandemic. It's, you know, um things going on like social justice movements and um, you know, presidents and things of that nature. Um but it feels like it's getting in um kind of a better place, um, at least what it feels like to me energetically uh but for a while it was very gross and thick feeling um and I think isolation um you know having to isolate from other people has sort of made people um unwell and unbalanced in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm obviously really looking forward to people you know uh being able to rejoin normal life and recognize that you know um there's more to life than social media because <laughs> you know that's what we're all surviving on right now and mm-hmm. i don't think that's necessarily healthy psychic emotional um or psychologically
1: i completely agree and it's one of those things that when you watch people's well-being through social media You know, if you watch it through Twitter, you get 240 characters to, you know, be like, are you okay? Are you you good? And even then it's still one of those things that you can't really tell because you're not getting to see it and hear it in person and humans are social animals and we desperately need that social interaction with each other and it's just not happening.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. And not only that, but just you know, we need fresh air. We need to touch grass. you know? Um, I miss nature more than any, more than I miss people (laughs) at the moment. Like I miss nature. Um, and I'm really looking forward to being able to, you know, um, take a drive to the mountains and not worry about like, if I'm going to come into contact with people or Mm -hmm. whatnot.
1: I totally feel that. And luckily, you know, there's a lot of people that get to still have access to that. But for some, it's just, it's not happening, like you said, for yourself. So hopefully someday soon, that will be an easy fix for you. So my next question for you is, I follow you on Twitter, as you know, and I love your tweets. And I see that you tweet a lot about gorgons. Yes. Tell me about your fascination with Gorgons. What made you love them? You know, what piqued your interest in them? How did they come under your radar?
2: I mean, I think Gorgons are just fascinating in general. Um, You know, they're probably the most universally recognized mythological figure. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like like if you see a Gorgon, most people are going to know what that is. You know, even if they're just like, oh, that's Medusa. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. know, it's just an (laughs) iconic image. Um, but I, I find, um, the Gorgons particularly fascinating, um, because it taps into something older that we've lost. And so that's been, you know, a big part of, um, my, cause you know, I have these things that I geek out on and I start doing all this like academic research and it's not mm-hmm. necessarily for anything, just kind of my own nerding out. Um, and Gorgons are one of those. Um, so looking at how, um, like, like, where did the Gorgon come from? What, what do these Gorgon myths mean? Because um, a lot of Greek mythology, uh, when we view it on the surface, seems very cruel. Um, it seems very unfair, um, you know, but I think a lot of people are stuck in this sort of mind frame of, their upbringing in um you know mainstream religion such as you know christianity where uh we're raised as a culture to view uh mythology as literal and true um and and the what i'm drawing on is the example of the bible right where all the Mm -hmm. myths are supposedly true right and it's supposed to be viewed as like canon But like when it comes to pagan cultures, you know, we don't have a lot of the myths. And even with Greek mythology, a lot of the myths we have are forms of entertainment. So they're either written by poets or playwrights, things of that nature. And that's why there's so many conflicting versions. It's sort of like all the different Batmans, right? Like there's Mm -hmm. a core agreement of who Batman is, what his general story is, who the general villains are. But then there's all these various takes on it that are contradictory. Um, and the Gorgons are like that as well. So, you know, um, the Gorgons seem to be tapping into some, some goddess cult that was, um, pre-existing the Hellenic culture, uh, the Olympian deities and stuff of that nature. And so one of the main theories is that, um, like the whole myth of, uh, you know, Athena sending Perseus to like slaughter Medusa is all about uh, Hellenic uh, pantheon sort of overriding the older uh, serpent religions. And that's a very common theme is this idea of like serpent worship for, um, you know, the really ancient traditions and religions. Um, But aside from the geeky scholarly stuff, um, a lot of my uh, magical Experimentations has been involving Gorgons and summoning Gorgons and working with that, uh, those entities and those energies, um, which perhaps someday that'll turn into some sort of a project. But at the moment, I've only been uh, practicing with the Gorgons for about a year now, so I'm nowhere near, you know, ready for that area to be an authority and be like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. this is how you work with gorgons, you know?
1: Well, I hope someday you do write a book or something about that, because that's super cool. You're probably the first person I've ever come across that says, has said, oh, I work with gorgons." Never heard of that. So I kind of want to meet one now, just to say that I did and see what it's like and experience that. That would be super cool. So I hope one day you'll consider writing a book about that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would love to, um, you know, because it is an area of passion of mine. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Gorgons and satyrs, those are my two um, <laughs> currents of energy that I'm super into.
1: That's absolutely awesome. So I do have one additional question. Well, actually two additional questions for you. One that I forgot to put in my notes because I was just having a brain moment and forgot to put it in there. We usually like to ask our guests what kind of books you would recommend. It could be your own book. It could be a fellow friend, author. It could be fiction. It could be nonfiction. What would be your kind of top recommendation? And if you'd like to recommend your book, your own book and another, that's totally cool too.
2: I mean, I would always recommend my own book. <laughs> um, it depends on what a person is looking for. So I'm just going to assume that the question is for sort of, you know, a modern witchcraft um, mm-hmm. sort of practice. Yeah. So, um, you know, more than a book, I would probably recommend my favorite authors because um, I don't know if I can narrow it down to a book. So That's I'm fair. A, I'm a bu- big fan of um, Laura Tempest, The work. Um, you know, I, did, I, I, I often say that she has the Midas touch because anything she, she creates or touches is just golden, um, mm-hmm. whether it's art or books or music or whatever, um, particularly "Weave the liminal is my favorite by her. Um, you know, I, I absolutely adore the work of Evo Dominguez Jr. Um, he mm-hmm. is someone that I refer to as a modern master and I don't use that word for people, specifically in witchcraft, but with him, I believe it's absolutely true. Um, uh, you know, Storm Fairy Wolf, Devin Hunter, Christopher Penzak, you know, those uh, three are probably my largest influences um, on my own magic. Um, Lori Cabot's work, obviously, is very influential and I feel is very good, but I feel like there is the caveat of reading her older material with sort of, an understanding of the era it was written in and mm-hmm. what information was accessible. I mean, I could go on and on. I'm constantly <laughs> recommending and reviewing books, um, <laughs> but that's probably in my top. Um, well,
1: folks, you've heard it here first go follow all those amazing authors. Most of you already know Laura because we've done several interviews with Laura and attended her events and she's amazing and wonderful and we love her. And so all of the other wonderful folks, definitely check them out. Also Storm and Devin, we also have wonderful interviews with them. Check them out as well if you haven't already. And my final question for you is, you did mention something about new books that you're working on. Can you tease them? And do you have any other projects that you'd like to talk about?
2: Okay, um so i am i'm very secretive about this stuff so that's totally fair book two is meant to be sort of the next natural step to psychic witch um uh, that's about probably all i'll say about that okay <laughs> um the third book i have contracted is tarot related um i don't think oh. i've ever said that on any podcast um it's a tarot book that I feel needs to be written that hasn't been written. And right now I'm also working on a proposal with an amazing artist on an oracle deck.
1: Ooh, I collect all tarot decks and oracle decks. I love them. So I'm super excited about that. I will yeah, I'm actually
2: <laughs> not a huge fan of oracle decks in general. But with this one, I was like, it's got to be an oracle deck. And I want it to be as intelligent as it is intuitive. I like that because a lot of a lot of oracle decks are just purely like sort of intuitive. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I have a hard I'll, time. I'll show you with
0: that for that reason.
2: I'll, I'll show you after the show. Uh, okay, I'm, so
0: you can get a little sneak preview. Ooh, Ooh, so exciting, Matt! Thank you for that in advance. <laughs> this You're is. Welcome. Been lovely. Where can folks go and find you, Matt? Because we've talked, you have a Twitter account. Uh, that's Matt Oren. We'll have that in the the show notes below. Aside from your Twitter, which you're super active on, are you active on other social medias that people should follow? And and can you shout out your website and any other um kind of like blog related if you'd like?
2: Yeah, so uh, my main website is mattorren.com and there you'll find all my Papios posts. I sort of double post them there. Um, I am very active on Instagram, um, which is Matt Warren. Um, I have a Facebook page, which is Matt Warren official, um, as the URL. And then I have a TikTok, which I don't really use that much. It's mostly just reposting people saying really awesome stuff about my book. Um, just sort of just archive it and give it a signal boost um yeah i mean matt is probably where you're gonna find me i'm really easy to find on the internet um i'm sort of i poured myself all over it
0: <laughs> yes i love it matt is easy to find out there everybody so do not be a stranger at all between facebook instagram twitter the website and the blogs make sure you're following matt We're going to scoot out the door here in just a minute so we can get to see that uh, sneak preview because now you have us all excited. So, Matt, thank you again for joining us today. Pagan, thank you so much for the wonderful questions today. This has been an absolute blast, and you're welcome Mm -hmm. to come back anytime, Matt. We will chat with you very soon. Everyone out there, stay safe. Until next time, bye bye Bye-bye. Are you enjoying listening to the Revelator Podcast Network? Support this show and others by going to revelatornetwork.com. We've got 5 shows and growing. With Chaos and Shadow, Pagan's Witchy Corner, Kyle's Communist Book Club, Kyle's Valheim Bulletin, and Stellaris Emergency Broadcast, we've got something covered for the occult lovers, the gamers, and soon to be many, many more. Make sure you subscribe to that blog while you're there. Don't miss out on our newsletter if you become a member. We're doing ad-free feeds bonus audio episodes, member badges, and roles on our exclusive Gilded server. Find everything you need at revelatornetwork.com.